welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your host, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, welcome back, sir. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. It's only been about two weeks. It's yeah. so audio. They're, they're not going to miss anything other than the two weeks we haven't posted right. on audio. Exactly. Well, I mean, and yeah, our YouTube channel and Twitch. You know, yeah. It, it's a summer break. We decided that it would be good for us to take a summer break well, for a little bit of time. Partially. You 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 went on a vacation, which is fine. Right. We were we were well aware that was going to happen, but then my contacts broke. Yep. I ordered new ones. Come to find out, they're back order for who knows when. The closest I can get to it is August sixteenth. They told me. Oh wow! What makes it even worse is these glasses are ten years old. Uh, well, almost ten. They're like nine. They're about two prescriptions behind. Right. And so I haven't been using this. They've been giving me headaches. So I haven't been wanting to look at computer screens yeah. and all that. So I've been reading without my glasses and stuff like that. I've caught up on a lot of reading. Played some board games, not much. Not much. That's all right. But it's been it's been a stressful couple weeks because I haven't been able to see properly. And and to po- top it all off, these are not only old. There's a giant crack in this yeah, lid. Every once in a while, I keep like looking over it. Jeez, what the, <laughs> so it's like I'll, not the fact that it's like I'm looking through a fishbowl because they're they're right. not my prescription anymore. There's also a crack in said fishbowl, so yeah. not only is fishbowl, it's blur. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, is that my eyesight blurry, or is it because of the crack? <laughs> I'm getting problems with my eyesight. Oh, no. Not again. Oh, wait, no. So, again. whereas it's been a fun two weeks for you, it's been a stressful well, two weeks for me. I'm not going to say mine is, was entirely fun. You know, there was some stress in it, and you well, yeah. and I know why, but... Uh, I mean, yeah, any vacations, you know, there's some level of stress. And I'm we, surprised you're not having more stress now that you're back because you have a teenager now. Yes, my son just turned into a teenager a couple days ago. Um, you know, happy birthday him, which is awesome. I don't think he'll ever listen to this podcast. I don't know why he would ever listen to this podcast, honestly. But He probably puts up with you as it is. If he does, <laughs> happy birthday to him. Um, yeah, I know. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah happy birthday, buddy. He, he's been hanging out with me more lately. I mean, I've been watching him play the Oculus because we got him an Oculus for his birthday. And I'm not going to lie. I played the Oculus too. <laughs> Beat Saber is amazing. You see, I have the PlayStation VR for the PlayStation 4. Uh-huh. I wish they had Beat Sabers on there. This way I could still do my cardio. Yeah, Beat Saber is so good. Other than having to do like push-ups and sit-ups and stuff like that in the house. Uh, because I couldn't go anywhere. I can't see. Yeah. I, I don't trust myself to drive with these glasses. Right. So, I mean, I could walk around the neighborhood. But then that it's like, is that a dog? What is, what is that? <laughs> I, I watched um, some of the 3D videos and stuff that was on there. Yeah. It was like a, a Red Bull video that was, I guess, these two rock climbers climbing to the top of the Matterhorn. And they put the cameras in just the worst spots <laughs> like for you to just feel awful. Like, it was so great because like, you look around and go... Like, oh, wow, like, this is a beautiful view. Oh, that's a cliff. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I, I, no, 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 it, no. It, I mean, I love stuff like that because I love hiking, but that was really <laughs> intense. It was No, I don't do impressive. heights. Um, we have Skyrim for the VR. Oh, I bet that's awesome. It's cool, but it's not. It's not made for virtual reality because it was a game that was made before virtual right. reality and they just implemented it. So it t- sometimes it gets laggy. And, oh, and uh, that's I'll, an easy way to get nauseous. Yeah, and so my wife already has motion sickness as it is, yeah. so she can't play it. She's like 30 minutes and she's like, no, I'm, I'm going to throw up. So yeah. our friend Jim played oh, yeah. it. Uh, he came over to the house one time and tried it, and he got motion sickness yeah. from it. Yeah, it, and see, that's what I worry about too because I get motion sick playing the 
on a TV. Yeah, yeah. With Skyrim. You know, that I love the game, but man, I can only play it so much just because of that. Yeah, but if they're games made for VR, there's a right. there's a cute little game on the PlayStation that we played called Moss. That one's amazing on the VR. It's so fun to play. They just came out with a sequel um, called Moss 2. Another one the wife played. I don't remember what it's called, but she's like going through like a mansion that uh, deals with science and stuff like that. She really enjoyed that one. Didn't get motion sickness I with it. I bet there's some amazing escape room games. That yeah, it's kind of, that that one was kind of an escape room game. Yeah. It was like yeah. a uh, like a remember the old Miss where the click and point where you're trying to put things together. Oh, sure. and, yeah, yeah, so it was kind of like that before, kind of escape room ish. Kind yeah. of um, new age VR stuff. So it was, puzzle yeah, thing. it was very interactive, and so it was really cool because I could watch everything she's doing on the screen. That's true. Yeah, I, I man, I, I'm gonna look into that because that sounds awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, I have to look into my PlayStation account to remember what the name is, but uh, okay. I know if it was on our PlayStation Four for the VR. Okay, so let me ask you a, a question: How if you would do this with a game? Okay. So. Uh, we we just talked about this. I was on a trip recently to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time I've ever been there. Really great trip. Um, I don't know much about the board game community there because, uh, you know, if it was just me and my wife and my kids, I absolutely would go to board game stuff. Yeah, you would have dragged them to it. I, absolutely. They they have would have no option. But it wasn't just your family but there. No, so. it was my in-laws and we were there for my brother-in-law's wedding. So yeah. all of that makes sense. So I didn't. We saw we sight saw saw a bunch of different things like the Dole Plantation, mm-hmm. the Biodoin, uh, which is a gorgeous Japanese temple, stuff like that. And so I really tried to avoid um, board game shops as best as I could, just yeah. to not bore them to death. And I also realized, you know, I got to pay for everything I got to ship back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I I kind of didn't want to get like tempted to just like find another game that I owned. But I went to uh, a thrift store there, Savers, and their Savers. Are amazing. Oh, they are only huge. you would no, go so, several thousand miles away, <laughs> set what, like a five-hour flight, a five-hour flight from to LA, go to Savers yeah. and Seven Eleven. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, so my mother-in-law, she's a big thrift store person, and she loves Savers too. So this was bonding time, you know, with me and her. Yeah, and and we even hit up the Salvation Army there, which is also huge. And the Savers there have full, like, multiple shelves of board games. And granted, the vast majority of them I own already, but I picked up two of them. And one of them was, um, it was called Black Market Bonanza. Okay. Which at first, you know, I was like, okay, it doesn't really look that good. But one, it was sealed. And I looked on Board Game Geek to see what it was about. And it was designed by people from Hawaii. Okay, and that's It might have ever even been like local, like Honolulu. So I was like, okay, you know. I mean, in a way, I could show my support by playing the game and giving an honest review, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going, profits aren't going to them because it's a thrift store. But, uh, you know, I wanted a local souvenir. And that, what better way to support it like that? Yeah. But the question I have for you, I picked up a two-player game called Tally Ho. And it's one of the Cosmos two-player games. Excuse you? Uh, you heard me. Um, so, yeah, it's called Tally Ho. And it's about, like, uh, one player is playing, like, the animals um, hunting trees or something. Or, like, eating people and the other people are hunters. They can only fire in certain directions, but they're hunting animals. Yeah. And um, there's... There's a certain number of tiles that's in the game, and it has all but one tile. And I'm not sure what I wanted to do with the game. Because I'm like, it's still functionally mostly the same. Because odds are you'll flip over a tree tile, and that's the one I'm missing. So I could just say, oh, that this tile's a tree. The starting one, whoever flips over the first tile gets a tree. Done. Okay. Because you won't know, right? Yeah. Would you get rid of a game like that that's missing one tile? 
I don't know. Honestly, uh, I haven't got rid of the... We did a thrift store run one time, and I picked up uh, Marvel Legendary. Oh, yeah. And they... Um, was like missing half ev- everything. And see, like that, I can understand because I wouldn't I, give I, it back I, to a thrift store. I, I'd I, sooner throw it away. Yeah, but... I, I still have it somewhere here, but I, I flat out refuse to return it or something right. like that. Because I'm like, someone else is going to get screwed by it. So. Yeah, exactly. But would you throw something out that's missing a single tile of a game that's kind of hard to find anyway? I wouldn't myself. Um, I don't know if we could play. Maybe you can like 3D print something because you know what the tile's missing. Maybe, yeah. Although, it, I feel like if I 3D printed something, I'd have to go all of the tiles. Which, there might be enough th- things online. But at the same time, I just don't know if... like Because they, they have to be hidden. They all have to have the exact same back. So, if I custom make something... You're, you're yeah, but if it's it a anyway. tree tile, it's like, oh, we, everybody knows what that is. But it's a tree tile, so... Well, you won't know until you flip it over. That's the thing. It's like a, a deck of cards, right? You won't know until... All the backs are the same, but it's not a very exciting. Game <laughs> what you could do is just over. just put like cards over it and be like, "I'm going to do this tile this yeah. way." Everybody doesn't know what it is. That's well, that's true. That's one way to do it. So I don't know. I'm in like a bit of a conundrum that way. Yeah, I don't know what to do with it. Um, that's why I'm glad I didn't have to deal with it. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess neither here nor there. But other than that, it seems like the board game community there is pretty solid. Um, you know, I, I've one of. Well, I would think so because there's also people that are military that play a lot of board games too. Sure. So yeah. and there's a lot of military stuff and there. There was at least a few board game stores too that yeah. I just didn't get a chance to go to. But, yeah, no, it sounds good that you had a good trip, but we are meandering. We've been doing this for almost 10 minutes and yeah. haven't really got into our discussion topic. Uh, we're doing a top eight debate. Can you tell the people what's going on? Absolutely. We are talking about uh, the top, ta- top 10 games with 3D components. Top, uh, top eight games. <laughs> Sorry, he's still on vacation it's mode. been a while. The top eight games with 3D components. Um, this is a family category that's in... Uh, Board Game Geek, mm-hmm. and um, we found this when we were looking at, I, I want to say... I don't know, you were looking at something, you sent it I to was, me, and I'm like, oh... I was looking at something, and I was like, wow, okay, no, I think it was Camel Up. It might have been, you were looking yeah. at something, and you sent me, it was like, after a game night on Wednesday, and you sent me that, right, because yep. I was going to bed, and I'm like... So I looked at Quick Over, and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, we have a <laughs> lot of games that have 3D components, <laughs> we, yeah. it, And so, uh, someone mentioned on our poll about it, uh, Your our, our friend... Um, of the podcast, Clint was mentioning something about like, well, doesn't minis count as 3Ds? And I told him, I guess you can, but the fact of the matter is, uh, I, we're just going off BGG's list. So. Right. Yeah. And so we didn't include stuff with minis because it's like, you know, pawns are 3D, right? Minis yeah. are 3D. We're talking about something else in the game that has a functionally 3D component. And BGD uh, defines uh, 3D components as games, expansions, promos, etc. using three-dimensional components in gameplay. Actual components, not just images or theme. Yeah, but it does bring up a very valid point, too. I mean, minis are 3D, right? But, yeah, I like to think of it as something a little bit different. And you'll hear that in our argument, why we think that, and, and how they align to that more. (laughs) <laughs> um, instead of just the player pieces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, because meatballs technically are yeah, 3D. Well, certainly. But a lot of these games, once we start going through them, you'll understand what we're coming with, why we're doing this concept. That's except right. for one of them, because it's more of a decoration than a functionality. Yes, which we will definitely be bringing up. <laughs> the fact. Oh, yeah. You, but, have it, you don't have it up, do you? Oh, yeah, it's yeah, over there. Yep, yeah, okay. So we're definitely going to be talking about that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But before we do that, Daniel, what have you been playing lately? 
So, again, I've been blind. I, I have played some games, but not a lot. There was one period where before you went on your vacation and I had contact still, uh, that I played a ton of games. And it took us. That's why we implemented what we've been playing on right. Top A Debate because we, <laughs> we there was just a lot of stuff that we had to talk about. So the first game I want to talk about what I've been playing is a game that you and me played. It was like your first game night after you came back. Right. Our other buddies couldn't make it. But I know. What a great like, welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they came back, and I'm like, oh, you know what? Let's just bust this out because I've been wanting to play it. Yeah. Uh, it's been on my shelf not too long, but it's been up there. And I've and, been wanting to play it yeah, for and, really a long time. Yeah, it's a Richard, Gar- Richard Garfield deck builder game. Mm-hmm. That supposedly has hurt a lot of uh, Clank fans because they're saying this one's better. <laughs> Base regular I, Clank. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. It's a this one is called The Hunger. Um, I really enjoyed it. I like the fact. Yes, it is a race, but it isn't like the first person to go do something. You decided not. You know, like you know, I'm not going to go get one of those. Right. They give you a lot of points, and they're very powerful cards for your deck. And it's the roses, but you don't have to get a rose to win the game. You just no. need to make the most points, and you have to be back before the sun comes up, or else you just lose because you get burnt up. And I forget, did I win that one? I don't. Yeah, you did. Okay, and I'm not saying that to brag, but but I, I did, did not get a rose. You did not get and a rose. You did. I got a rose and made it all the way back to the castle, and you were right. basically because we played the yeah, regular I mode to get back. We played in the regular mode, and you were in the mountain. So yes. in the regular or normal mode, you either have to get back to the cemetery or you have to get back to the or you have to get back to the castle. Mm-hmm. In the easy mode or regular mode, um, just to make it for first time players, you have to get it back to the mountain wherever you're at. At certain points, you're going to lose points for it. And this thing was quick. It played in 15 rounds. Once we figured out what we were doing and how like everything triggers, because the person furthest away from the castle triggers. And so there's three areas outside, like the mountain, the castle, everything I talked about. That's called the the plains, the forest, and um, I forget what the other one is. But it's where, oh, the labyrinth is where it is. So the furthest away triggers first. So for a big part of the game, I was starting first because I was furthest away. And then towards the end, I'm like, nope, you're furthest from the castle. So you get to try to run yep. back to the castle more. What I liked, that about, was fun. What I liked about this game is it's got a twist on the deck builder. Yeah, you're putting all these cards in your, your hand. They're giving you points. But they're not giving you movement. So they're slowing you down. You had a bunch of points in your deck. Mm-hmm. And it was still relatively close, even though you won. And I had the rose. But the fact was, it was so slow for you to get to the <laughs> castle. You lost, what, 24 points? Yeah. Something like that. But hurt me by doing that because I took an end-of-game scoring mechanism because I'm like, all right, he's so far ahead right now. If I take this, I get 10 points, and maybe I can jump past him on that. No, you lost so many points, it puts you behind for before we did the end-of-game scoring, so that thing wasn't useless to me. I love that. I loved everything aspect about it because it wasn't like a run-and-you're-done kind of situation like the original Clank was. Mm -hmm. For me, I would play this over base Clank any day of the week. Hands down. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, I might even like play it more than Clank Legacy after I'm done with it. You know, it's yeah, it, it's it, what it did was enough different that was intriguing. My favorite part about it was the fact that as you're like killing all the people, right mm-hmm. before you digest them, they make it they make it a lot more difficult. It's like you're getting fat, you know. 
They make it very difficult to move, to buy new cards, to kill more humans. You start slugging and slowing down really just... And, and I knew that, so I was like, if I'm not at a rose by halfway through the rounds, there's not a chance I'm going to make it back. Yeah. And, and I purposely focused on, like, only going about a third of the way as I could, and then I was like, okay... I'm going to need at least twice as long to get back because of how much slower I'm making my deck. <laughs> yeah. And and that's something that wasn't immediately clear, but it was clear enough where you're like, wow, I'm slowing down so much to the point I need to fix this now. Yeah. And I think that was the only reason is because I figured out that timing. I was like, okay, I'm comfortable with this. Yeah. It, it was it was a fantastic game. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, another thing I liked about it, too, because like, uh, I had a better another chance to beat you. I had two cards that both triggered on one card. That card never showed up. I was right. like, where is this card? And both you and me were laughing. It was second to last second in the last. deck. Yep. Which is just silly. Honestly. Yeah, no, it was a fun game. The art's a wonderful. It's decent components. Yep. They've already announced an expansion for it. So I'm actually intrigued if we're ever going to get to be able to debate this one because it was that much fun. It was good, yeah. I mean, we, I'm sure we will at some point in the future. Maybe we've played enough vampire games. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right, the first game I've been playing is not technically just one game. In fact, you know, as always, I brought a show and tell. Yeah, of uh, course. Well, I brought this for a reason. That's if, if we have some did extra time. Did you drop time. the die? Yes, I did. Um, if for some reason we happen to have some extra time, then we're, we're totally going to play some. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> this is called Random Fun Generator. And so I brought a whole heap of different games on the trip with me, you know, expecting to play. Yeah. This was the only one we ended up playing. And it comes with the book. And 20 dice. Now, they're only 12 millimeter dice. They're pretty small. Um, but this game comes with 21 different games. Mm-hmm. And they're all, you know, only take like a page, uh, maybe a page and a half to explain the rules. And their goal, as you read the introduction, is that these two designers in the COVID lockdowns wanted to make a bunch of different dice games that all have like legitimate strategic thought yeah. into it. And I showed you a few of them. Um, well, uh, three of, of them. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've read a few more since then. I do kind of want to play them again. But, like, the first one, it's overly simple. I that think one you how it works. Me. Yeah. yeah. It, it's basically if you roll ones, they count as, as strikes. If you get three strikes, you bust. Other than that, anything that you that you roll and it's not a one, you count as a point. And so your first one does a certain number of points wins. Yeah. Um, okay. It wasn't bad. But then the second one, where you're trying to roll different sets of numbers, and you set aside the grouping. So, like, let's say I roll... Uh, three threes, a four, and two fives, right? Yeah. I'm rolling six dice total. You choose any one group of numbers, and you have to set aside all of them of that number. So let's I'd probably put a, aside my one four. So you want smaller groups. Then you re-roll everything else. I can no longer set aside fours for the rest of that round. That's the catch. I did like this one. Yeah, and so you're setting aside the groups, and each different group will count as cumulative more points. Yeah. One, three, six, ten, fifteen, twenty-one, if you get all six. Um, and it's a press your luck so you can stop at any time and score the number of sets you have. But if you ever roll and you roll only numbers that you, that you've rolled previously and set aside and you bust. Yeah. I like Martian dice a lot. And this was reminiscent of that, like a simple version of Martian dice. And so that was really fun. Okay. Um, then there was Swapportunity, which I showed you as well. That was a nice where one Where you too. had like one locked and you're just, in one person's the dealer, you roll two dice. Everybody else has to roll two dice and beat that number, but you have the opportunity to swap different dice and yeah. 
Trying to make it more difficult for someone else. Make it more difficult for somebody else, or just to try and beat that number, or or you know, you know what? Give them a point. This way, I can take that six to make me a better chance of winning the next round. Exactly, exactly. So there's a lot of good choice, and then there was one other that you and I played. Oh, um, bouquet. No, bouquet was the sets. It was uh, frenemies, where where we would each roll three dice and we'd set aside one uh, in between us. Oh, yeah, yeah, And then, so, those two dice that, that are set between us, we reveal it, and that creates a number. Let's say you put five and I yeah. put a three, that's a total of eight. But since you put the higher number, the other two dice you kept have to exceed eight. Yep. If I, since I put the lower number as the three, mine has to be less than eight, so seven or lower. And so, you're trying to judge, like, what the opponent's going to put, what you can realistically put and likely win. And if it so happens that we put the same number, our total has to equal the number, which... So many times we just revealed it and like, no! Again. <laughs> yeah. And so that was just like the first like four of the games. And I I haven't played many of the others since. But I was honestly really impressed. That was pretty it. good. I liked it. And I do look forward to playing more. So I will give absolute props to that. And I played them in order. So mm-hmm. if they keep increasing in fun as, <laughs> as they've been doing, then I can't help but like just imagine at least. I'm sure there's some that aren't as fun as others. Yeah. But that's also subjective, too. Yeah. I can like one game and you don't like it because right. of how our tastes are. Exactly. And vice versa. So. Exactly. Even my kids liked it when we played it. And they're, you know, one's a teenager and one's less. Well, well one's less, but she, uh, they're... Oh, she uh, acts like a teenager. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. that she's like 10 going on 30. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> 16 right now. Going on 16. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, it's it, it, it was a fun collection of games so far. And I'm looking forward to playing more. All right, cool. Random Fun Generator. So my last one is a bit of a cheat because it's actually two games, but I have to explain. Mine was 21, so don't worry. (laughs) You're fine. One has to be explained before I talk about the other one. Yeah. So the first one is we played role player. Yes. The reason we played role player, one, I played with all the expansions, everything that was going for it. Because we were actually generating our characters to finally start a campaign gotcha. for role-player adventures. Gotcha. And that's the game that I really want to talk about. But yeah, we played role-player, built everything, got our points, recorded everything. And then the next week, I brought over role-player adventure. And we put, it was very simple to your creative character to go over there. You just plug and play your points. If you were 0 to 13 in your attribute in one area, then you get a 0 for that attribute. It's 1 through 3 for your starting character. And you can increase later on. There's certain things that you do. This game was really good. I I really enjoyed it. So, everybody knows Gloomhaven's my, excuse me, my favorite game of all time. I love Gloomhaven. This gives you that campaign itch, but does something different than Gloomhaven, because Gloomhaven, you're picking your cards, you're battling, you're doing, mm-hmm. so this is your typical dungeon crawl. This one is more of a story, like the overarching Dungeons and Dragons, you're exploring a map, you're using your characters, and you're, there's no turn base, really, so you're okay. basically going what the storybook is telling you, and then you're making choices as a team. Well, I can give this, to because we, we only have a limited dice pool. So I, this one is going to test strength and charisma. So I can give strength as my best action. I can give one of my strength staminas to help us with this attack, putting a, a specific die of that color. So all the attributes are color-coded. Okay. And so strength is red. I'm giving a red die. 
anytime you don't put anything over there, you just get random dice. Okay. But when you're doing skill checks or combat checks, you have to match certain things when you're rolling the dice. If you're doing a skill check, you have to meet it right then and there. And it tells you if you're going to do the skill check, these are the dice that you're going to need in there. So we got to be careful. If we don't have the stuff for it, we're going to have to draw random dice and hopefully get the ones we need. Gotcha. But there's ways around it. So because we play with the Familiars expansion, they have double-colored double dice. So mine is blue-green. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone else is red and white. Well, if we need a white die, he's like, okay, I can play one card. I'm going to play this to get the red and white die out of the bag. This way I can add it, roll it, and see if we can get this function. Okay. And so it helps us go along, and there's ways to mitigate it, and you're exploring, and you're making choices. And the person who's the storyteller, because uh-huh. it passes, that's the first player marker. It passes every round. They're tiebreakers. So if you're playing a four-player game, and one person saying this, or like me and the storyteller saying one thing, and some uh, the other two are saying something else, the storyteller could be like, you know what? No, we're doing the thing that we want to do, but it doesn't get overpowered. So like, if they were the only person reading then, yeah, it'd be too much power of the storyteller. But the fact that it changes each round, now the other two have the power if they're like-minded. So I like that aspect because it allows us to still explore the story. And then even after you're done with a story, so this game is built to only do 12 stories. Okay. 11 main chapters and one side quest. And you just keep going. Once you hit to the end, you can explore the map that you're on. You know, try to get some extra stuff or you notice, hey, I got this and this. I can use it to do this. It gets something special. And you're trying to curry favor for the king or you're trying to curry favor for occult type people, the Starlight Door or something like yeah. that. Or the invading army you're trying to curry favor. And if you're currying favor on one, sometimes you're making favor drop with another. It's very intriguing. There's a lot of good choices. And the thing is, it's infinite or not infinitely replayable but you can play it differently each time nothing gets marked down other than your sheets and once you're done with that you rip it off and you have a brand new sheet to play with it highly recommends you play with pencils because you're always erasing stuff um when you're doing the storybook if you have certain keywords that that story triggers if you don't have those keywords you keep going down a line until something triggers it's really good i really enjoyed it and they've announced that they're going to release another expansion for this game. They they released the, an expansion with the game on the original Kickstarter, and they're going to release one more towards the end of this year. Okay. So I'm looking forward to it. I really, really enjoyed it. We played two chapters of it, and it's it's already climbing my list. I don't think it's ever going to usurp Gloomhaven, but it's going to get up there. I yeah. really do enjoy it. Interesting. Wow. All right. The last one uh, I added to my list, the uh, last one I want to talk about what I played recently I only re- I only remembered about five minutes before we started filming, <laughs> and I remember oh, and I pointed at you. I was like, I know what game it is, and that's because um, on Saturday I, I run that game local game group. Yeah, I bought it on that Saturday. I learned how to play it, and I played it during that game group. And I normally don't have the opportunity to play games. Yeah, but I was really itching to try it. Rear Window. <laughs> I played Rear Window from Prospero Hall, uh, the new game, and you know. Like, how good can it be? It's an IP game, all that stuff. Honestly, with Prospero Hall, their IP games are really good. They are, right? But then at the same time, I was like, okay, you know, it's it's an odd movie. You know, yeah. it's a, I had just seen it, like, a couple weeks ago. I like the movie quite a bit, but it's it's an odd, older Hitchcock film. And it's basically uh, Mysterium meets Mastermind, right? Okay, yeah. And when I first heard that description, I'm like, that doesn't make much sense. And you only play four rounds, and that... They have to figure out almost all the stuff within four rounds. Yeah. The biggest catch in this game is that 
it the game will either be fully cooperative or it'll be the director versus everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that depends on if there's a murder. The catch of the game is that at no point do the players, the guessers, or the, the watchers, because they're watching the windows, yeah. they don't know if that is versus or cooperative. <laughs> the director is the only one who knows, and it's set up by random, because you have 13 attribute tokens, one which is the murderer. You're using four of those in the game. Yep. So if one of the murderers comes up, then it is you versus them. And the director only wins if they guess almost everything else, and they have enough points, but then they don't correctly guess the murderer. Okay. That's the only way that the director wins. Otherwise, uh, the watchers win. But if it's fully cooperative, you have to get them to guess who, which characters are in which windows, and which attributes they have. You have to get all eight successful points. It ended up being where I was um, the director, just yeah. because I had read the rules. And it was fully cooperative, but they didn't know that. Oh, and and those cards, so they're not as abstract as like a Mysterium or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. They all have, like, sometimes they'll have blatantly the character that's in it. But it also has a bunch of items, like a broken mirror or a gun or, you know, a piano or, you know, um, a baseball bat. <clears throat> and so they have to kind of put together the pieces that, that are a little on the nose, but you also... Still, just there's so many pieces to each comp- each picture that you can't know for sure unless you have the repetition. And sometimes the cards are just not there to have the repetition. Yeah, we end up winning on day three or four, so we won <laughs> early. And ever, I was the only one who had seen the movie. Our friend Don was there, and he watched from behind because he was just curious how it works. He said that those type of games, he wants to at least see somebody play it first before yeah. he delves in. He was super intrigued by it. I enjoyed it, and the other three players who had never heard anything about Rear Window absolutely loved it. That's awesome. And that, and so much to the point that all the other three Watcher players said that that was their favorite game of the night that they played. That's cool. Yeah, and I was thoroughly impressed. I cannot encourage you more than enough to get that game. Oh my goodness, that was really well, good. Well, it's funny, because I, I was just uh, thinking about when you were talking the discussion, you are like... Uh-huh. Uh, it's an IP game. No matter how uh, how right. good can it be? And I'm sitting there looking at like Prospero Hall. It's like uh, Goonies never say die. That one's good. Yeah. Back to the Future. That one's good. Right. But there's Horrified, a lot of decent, decent, <laughs> right? Like the, a lot of Prospero Hall games are pretty good or decent or stuff. This was fantastic. Uh, I, don't know. I enjoyed this. A the Goonies lot. is really good. A, a lot of these Prospero Halls that I have on my shelf, they're rate right. highly for me. Right. The ones that you have on the shelf. But there's a lot like Robin Fury. Eh, you know, I haven't played okay. that one, so yeah. And then, uh, but to see Ramen Fury, I don't know if that's an IP, but um, no, I don't think it is. And the, the the other one that I didn't like, Trapper with, Keeper, uh, Caro, the Caro, that's oh, an Caro, IP. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Caro was. I like Caro. I don't like Caro. Yeah, I don't blame you for not liking it. But you see what I mean, though. Like it, it's such an odd IP that, and we discussed this with uh, NPC Aaron when he yeah. was on our podcast before, and it. It's such an odd IP that it doesn't seem like it would make sense, especially now with those mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They use Mysterio, but not surrealist Mysterio. Art, it's yeah, yeah. Specific. I love um, the art in that game, though. Yeah, I remember seeing it at Gamma. Yeah. yeah, of of Jimmy Stewart and uh, all of the other actors and actresses. Yeah, and every character has their own ability depending on which character you're in. You yeah, um, there because you can place up to two of their cards face down because if they're really bad, it's just not helpful. You could do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And some of the characters' abilities have the ability to look at the face-down ones or discard it and force you to play a face-up one. <laughs> and, and 
it's intriguing because you have to play all eight cards and you can only put up to two face down. There was unfortunately one round where I had to put two face down on the same character and they were like, well, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Like, I was like, I mean, I can't tell you, but I just had garbage cards. Like, I had great yeah. cards for the other three characters. I just had nothing that would help for yeah. that one. So I had to just completely lock it out and they just couldn't figure Like, they stressed out so hard because of that level and it's like ah like this is so difficult and then but luckily I drew up my hand again they forced me to play another card on it they used that ability they yeah. started one and I had to force to play another one and I got a good one and like okay here you go <laughs> that helped out but at first they were like almost sweating it was so rough it it was really fun I'm gonna bring it to one of our game nights and I think you'll like it a lot alright sounds good uh, I do want to make mention of something real quick uh, uh-huh. before we get into our podcast topic Sure. There is another game that we played, um, but I talk about it all the time. X Men United, uh-huh. but I got to see your favorite X Men played. Oh yeah, yeah, dupe, huh? yeah. My wife is like, I want to play that character. It sounds interesting. How, how did it work? It's actually pretty cool. It's yeah. uh, not bad. Uh, there's like certain abilities that it can do, and I can't remember exactly what it is. But if this is up, then that other person can uh, get a random tile if they start in his location and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really good. I enjoyed it. But I was like, I just looked at the box. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I can even mention to him that we play dupe. That's fun. <laughs> I like that. I, I want to try. That's that's one of the few I want to try. So let's get into our honorable mentions. Um, we talked about, and we'll go into our uh, audience's honorable mentions as well. Again, these are games with 3D components, and that was a good question. Uh, do miniatures count? Um, in my honorable mentions, I will I will be honest. I specifically put games that use the 3D component as a feature of the game. It is really tough for me to like put something like it. Yeah, if it's there aesthetically, like Siege of Rundar, I fell in love with that game. It would function as a 2D game just as easily. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. There's, there's no real reason to have a 3D. Okay, I see where you're great. going with like the 2D part of it. Okay. Right, right. It, exactly. Like nothing against it, right? And and I was talking to you about one game that I think you're going to have on your list. And and I don't disagree with you. I get it. It is There is a 3D component and it is... And it's functional and it's it, really it, good. It's functional. It's just it doesn't necessarily need to be that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. add to the gameplay. It doesn't detract from it by no means. But it doesn't add to it, in my opinion. With that being said, I still got six games I put on here, so I got this die. I'm only going to talk about three. I promise. I'm going to roll it, and I'll just talk about whichever number I want. That's why you wanted a D6. That's why I needed the D6. So there is is a lot of really good games. So do you want to start with the audience honorable mentions? Let's do it. All right. Um, Let's give it a little quick refresh. I also needed the D6 because I don't have a coin with me. Oh. So we don't have a coin of doom. We have a die of doom. All right, so oh, 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 we got to do this. All okay. right. The first one on our list was added by Michael, and he put Return to Dark Tower. Now, we just had a discussion about this yes. earlier uh, when we were talking about it, and I'm like, there was a problem with that. And you're like, what? It's on, I saw it on the list. I'm like, no. You saw Dark Tower, the yep. 1981 version on the right. list. This is not on there. And we actually went on Board Game Geek and actually looked on the Return to Dark Tower right. itself. And it's not in the 3D category. Right. Yet. It has a thing called the Drop Tower. tower. Yeah. And the Drop Tower is 3D. Yeah. And functionally, is technically right. But I also get why it's not on the list. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. I was like, eh, you know, I mean, it technically doesn't need the tower, right? Yeah. But in the Return to Dark Tower, it does need the tower because of how it drops the skulls. So yeah. that is... 
a legitimate well, in the, the actual regular Dark Tower, the tower, you had a little thing that you had to punch right. certain codes into it for right, it. To... that could have been flat on the board, you know, technically. It could have, yeah. It wouldn't have been anywhere near as fun, but it yeah, could yeah, have been. Yeah, but I'm just saying yeah. that's uh, the reason, because it, it was functional for the game to work. You can't play the game if that tower is not right. working. And technically, you can't with this one either, but... Right. In the spirit of it, I completely do agree with Michael. It should be uh, yeah, no, list. I agree, because yeah. I was like, why is this not on the list? I saw Dark Tower, Return to Dark Tower, because I wanted to put it on my right. own. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then Kristen added Minara, which is the cooperative version of Via Paletti, basically. Um, Minara is awesome. Yeah, no, it yeah, is. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we got a chance to play it, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's really good. So, clearly it's on somebody's list. And I think that's the only two that were added. <laughs> yep. Um, and then all the comments just clarify that, uh, the minis that we were talking about as well. Yeah, there was a comment, uh, someone mentioning that is technically any game with a mini. We mentioned that earlier. Uh-huh. The next one up is uh, Kylan says he hasn't played Everdell. Everdell is one of the games on our list. But does the tree provide any function or is it just aesthetics? And someone was answering that question. We'll get to that when we do. Yeah, <laughs> we completely agree with Michael who responded. And we will add to that during our debate because that will be a discussion topic. <laughs> yep. All right. With that being said, let's see who goes first. Uh, let's say one, two, three is Tails. All right, I'll be starting us off. So the game I wanted to talk about is my honorable mention is Tumbling Dice. <laughs> so Tumbling Dice, I mean, you and I both know it. We've played a massive version of Tumbling Dice made with like insulation foam. And blew, blew and up uh, giant inflatable dice and stuff. Yeah. Hilarious game. Super fun. It needs that 3D board because that's what makes the dice tumble. Yeah. Great components. Absolute riot to play. And the fact that since you're launching them down those, those tiles that... That step down, you can knock other players' dice off. Yeah. The level that you're that you land on is how many points multiplied by the pips. Multiplied by the pips that you roll. You can even hit your own dice, hoping to get a higher number. Mm-hmm. It, there's absolutely this would not work in a in a two D setting. This no, it only works three D and it works beautifully. I have no more to say of it. Tumbling dice. Oh, tumbling dice is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I really love that game. I have a, a made board by a friend of ours who made the board for me. Uh-huh. Uh, I like the, what is it, the Eagle Griffin board? I yes. think that's who had it, where it kind of slides together. Uh-huh. Um, that's pretty nice. Mine doesn't, but I really enjoy my yeah. personal board because it's got the well, symbol of the great, yeah, well, it's got the symbol of the great Jedi on there. Right. And which are, Star Trek theme. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Same friend made one for me, and yeah, we are eternally grateful. Yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to my first honorable mention. Um, I don't know. I. You find this game okay. We have played it. It's a f- good game. I really enjoy it. And this one, it's more decorative than functional because, but it makes sense for what it's doing. And uh, this is Cape May by Thunderworks Games. Yeah. And so you have your Victoria. That is 100% just aesthetic. It's aesthetic, but it also makes sense because, yeah, you could have used cardboard pieces for like the third layers as you're going up, but yeah. they just wouldn't make as much sense as they do in this game right. with the 3D print or well, the plastic pieces. Yeah, the mold. Because you upgrade yeah. from cardboard to the molded pieces, and then you upgrade the the houses to Victorians, you put the little fence around them, and it just aesthetically it looks really nice. It makes sense functionally as well yeah. what you're trying to do. Sure. 
and you're going around the board. Um, you can make your choice. You have cards that you're playing uh, around the board. You have to move for movement. So the f one, two, and six, seven, you have to pay to move as fast or as slow as you want. Uh, one and seven are two golds each, and the two and the six are one gold each. But there's abilities where, like, hey, I don't have to pay for those anymore if I use the two and the six because I have this ability now. Um right. You have area control based on where you're putting it in. There is some aesthetic parts of that where you and me have issues with, the, I think it's the dirt in the grass lots uh, compared because the, the sand lots are really nice. The beachy ones, it's yeah, like the it's yellow. Yeah. yeah. And then the... Uh, the home run is just fantastic. Yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. But yeah, Keep Me, it's a really good game. I love the aesthetic of it. it um, I enjoy it a lot. It's probably up there but it's not one of my favorite thunderworks games but it, it is good i i like tinpenny park more than uh, cape may mm -hmm. i do agree with that yeah. but uh cape may i had to go on this list because i do enjoy it and again it's more decorative but it does have its aesthetics sure. that makes sense all right the next one i wanted to talk about was manhattan it was the spiel de jar winner um that one absolutely the one time he rolls high in dice right exactly that no that's you <laughs> if you roll for me you'll roll my one again uh, no, Manhattan is a very simple game. Um, basically, you play a card that will tell you on one point of a 3x3 three three grid where you can place a building. There's six grids total on the board, and you can place it on any of those. So if I play a card that lets me build on the top left corner of a grid, that's based on my perspective, I can place on the top, on the front left corner of any one of the six grids that's on there. Okay. However, I'm building up vertically on the buildings that are there, and I can only place buildings... Um, I have either one, two, three, or four levels, I believe, okay. and I have to exceed the total number of building or levels that the highest player has. So if you have five floors and I have two, I have to play at least a three or higher, or maybe I have to exceed. I don't remember off the top of my head. But that one, without 3D components, it wouldn't work because you have to see each of the individual levels. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to functionally count them. And, I mean, it looks really good because these skyscrapers are pretty massive on the board. Not only that, the player who plays the topmost piece gains control of those. You get points for area majority, you gain points for height, and you gain points for the tallest uh, single skyscraper. So that's really fun. There's a lot of cool components going on in it. It looks pretty. It's always been one of my favorite games. I see why it... Uh, I don't... I think it was... Uh, Spiel winner, if I'm not mistaken, I think like 1994 or 6 or something like that. You're better knowledgeable of that than yeah, I it's, it, I believe it's the 90s, but um, yeah, it's a fantastic game, Manhattan. Yeah, I've never played this one, so I can't really make um, a, this topic on it, really, yeah. or a discussion on it. Sounds intriguing. Yeah, it's really fun. What's, what's even funner is that you can play with a variant where there's a kaiju monster running around. <laughs> and the direction, like let's say that example I played earlier. Yeah. Not only would I build a building in the up left corner, wherever the kaiju monster is, they move up and left of wherever they are. And so they, and they wrap around the board and they Pac-Man. And anytime they enter a space with any buildings, those are gone. Oh, it's man. hilarious. And so you could have like this massive building. It's just, not, it's gone. Because if you make yourself a target early, then, well, sorry. Yeah. That's all your fault, not ours. Yeah, it's it's absolutely funny. It's a riot for how it works. 
All right, so the next game on my list is one that we were talking about that it could functionally uh, as a 2D more, but yeah. I went for fun, and if it was on this list. So for me personally, it is Celestia. I really it, It's the boat. That's the 3D. Everything else is cards. Um, and tiles, the, the like the places you're going is tiles, right? right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, you're going on tiles and you're picking up cards from yeah yeah but uh but the main thing is the boat in fact the other 3d pieces are just little pawns right exactly <laughs> but i love this game it's it's a push your luck you're trying to keep going as far as you can on this space blimp thing uh it's like boat blimp uh -huh. i don't know how to describe it it's uh, it's, yeah, the, it's it looks like the treasure planet, planet kind of yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. it's like uh, steampunk almost yeah and so you're you're pushing your luck you got to roll these dice and you got to play cards to match the symbols on the die this way you can keep going mm -hmm. and it's like the the first few is just you only have to roll one die right. but then you keep going then you got to roll two dice and you and the thing is is that everybody's on the boat whoever's leading so if i'm the one leading everybody's got to decide does he have those cards to play? Right. Or should I jump ship now so I can get some points? Right. And hope for the best. And hope for the best. And then there's cards abilities that you can have where you can have a jetpack and jump off and be like, oh, we're going to crash? Not me. Because right. <laughs> I got my jetpack. We're good. So I love this game. It makes me giggle every time. Yeah. And if, if for a small box game, it holds up to six players. I, I think right. that's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it really does. Not a lot of these games hold up to like four is the sweet spot for most of these games. Right. So I also I agree with you, and I and I disagree, of course, like uh, to an extent, because yeah. the three D component of it, it it's not so much necessary, but it doesn't get in the way. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Because everything. Um, <laughs> Speaking you know, of Sandlot, I keep yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense whether you're on that or not. Like, it could technically be just a cardboard piece or a card, right? Yeah. But it, there's a really good signal. It's like um, the LED candles in night in a night cage. It's like it, not necessary, but it's a really good, useful. It is useful. Yeah. For a quick reference, if you're either visually on the card or not, that's that is a good signifier. So I don't completely disagree with that one. It's not entirely that I agree, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, but the thing is, for me, when I did this list, I was like, okay, this game's on there, this game's on there. Yes. I went with what game are fun that fits yes. this list. Yeah, your favorite. My favorite to this one, not for me for the functional purpose, because I'm like, we're going to argue the functional stuff during the debate. So I'm just going to play what uh, I'm going to put on here that's what's the most fun right. for me to play. All right, sounds good. And the last one I wanted to talk about today was. One out of all six of the ones that I came up with probably uses the 3D component in the best, most functional way. Hey, wait, wait, why are you going? You didn't roll the die. I did. That's all the three. I did it while you were talking. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, to wait, one, two, three is me. Oh, no, I thought we were just going back and forth. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> well, calm down, sir. You already did your three, didn't you? No, I have one more. Okay, well, then I'll finish, up, finish this off. Um, because I've already talked about Tolman. Yeah, this is my third one. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so anyway. Um, no, yeah, this one makes the most sense, though. It absolutely has a 3D function, and it would not work in a 2D world because this, you are building a planet. It's called Planet, has uh, magnetic tiles, and you have... I mean, technically, a, it could work in a 2D no, world. No, it really can't because, like, the way the sides have to wrap together... I knew this was going to be on your list. Yeah, it, as soon as I saw it, like, there is no, almost no better example of a 3D functional game is because... You have pentagonal tiles that wrap together 
on a 12-sided shape, um, and I, not an icosahedron, dodecahedron, and the only way that works is by knowing where all these sides fit together. Yeah. And unless you, like, unfold it and put it down, which you're not going to know, like, oh, well, this side has three spaces over, connects that, nah. Nobody's going to really do that. Nobody has time for that. So the the magnetic way is the only way for it to work. And all you're trying to do is get areas and get them connected in different ways. And it's a really simple drafting game that works really well. Out of uh, a lot of the blue-orange games where you that they make, like the big family games, this yeah. is easily one of my favorite because how simple that is, how good the production value is, and how cool it is at the end of the game where you have built a globe of different... Uh, different environments. I I love that game. It's so fun. It works really well, and I could not be more happy about it. Uh, and just to give a shout out of the other three, real quick, I'm not going to say what they, how they work, but I had Rampage, Pylos, and Wonder Book was my other three. I don't know Pylos, but the other two, yeah, those are fine. Yeah, it's a marble pyramid thing. You're trying to be the last person to put your marble. Oh on yeah, top. yeah 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 yeah. You would. Yep. It's a. Uh, it's one of the um, wooden. Like yeah, I figured, like yeah, corridor, I figured it was. Uh, Again, it's ugly yeah. as sin. How is it ugly? <laughs> it's just nice, pretty wooden pieces. There's no art at all. Because it's ugly. What? That was made out of like chintzy plastic. And yeah, I, like you see where like the molding plastic was broken <laughs> off and the seams and stuff. Yeah, I'll give you that. Made out of like you know unshapen marble. I'll, I'll, I'll give you your 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 ugly game there, Pylos, uh-huh. and I'll show you an abstract strategy game that's actually gorgeous. Oh wow, that's yeah, not kinda, on the top list. It's huh? kind of like uh, abstract, but not really. It's cooperative dexterity. Oh yes, we talked about this earlier. <laughs> Manara, uh, Manara. Yep. We played this recently. Our, our mutual friend brought it over for one of the game nights, and you and me were like, "Okay, let's try this." I heard really yeah. good things about it. I really enjoyed this game. It was a great. Lot. It was a really good game. It's like these big chunky wooden pieces. You're trying to build up to a certain level. Uh, mm-hmm. Just depends. The game decides what level it's going to be. So for like easy, it's like four mode. But if certain things happen, it could be like, oh no, we got to build it up to the fifth level and stuff like that. No. We can't let it collapse. Uh, got to be very careful how we're doing this. And then you get like a choice of cards. It could be easy or hard. And you got to use your colored pieces to put on the colored spots on the thing. And it tells you what levels you have to build it on, and no. it gets more and more difficult as you go along. It's it's so good. I no. really enjoyed what it was. What it was, and I'm like, I didn't know if I would like a co-op dexterity game. Right? No, co-op dexterity <laughs> is surprisingly intense. <laughs> yeah, and because you're all rooting for it. Like, yeah. um, uh, there was another cooperative dexterity game that I remember seeing not too long ago, and you're all just like. Oh my gosh. Okay. I think it might have been a flicking game of some kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see people play it and it's just, it's because you're rooting for them. You're yeah. rooting for your team. You want them to do good. And you're so invested in how they perform that it's like, and how well you can attempt to, to help them. It, it's brilliant how it works. And what's funny about this one is that it basically gave a co-op mode to something like Rhino Hero yeah. in a sense. You're But you're building pieces. You're building like sculptures i guess is uh-huh. what the the thing is something like that i don't know via paletti yeah was abstracted as well yeah so it's it's so good i really really enjoyed this one and when i saw this on the list it was the first one i put down i'm like yeah that's gonna probably be my number one mm-hmm. just because it's that good i i understand why it's so high like on yep. um uh not tom vessel uh, z garcia's list yep. he's always talking about it 
Um, and I'm glad our friend brought it over to the point where, like, if I can find this on a deal, I'd pick it up for myself. It's no. the, it, I really enjoyed it. If, the only thing is, if the only reason I haven't bought it or considered buying it is because I have Via Paletti already. And it's they're more or less the same thing. Just yeah, one's okay. for, against each other, one's rooting for each other. But they're they're functionally well. I'd rather the have the co-op than the because right. I'll play Rhino Hero. For I one, agree. Yeah, a stacking game to fight against them. Right. Ones. I don't disagree. <laughs> Which brings us to our list. Today we have the top eight highest ranked on Board Game Geek. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't know if you wanted to segue there, but no, no, it's fine. Yeah, I, I, I was done. Cut right into it because you're like speaking of Rhino Hero because <laughs> that's on our list. We're talking about the top eight highest ranked games on Board Game Geek. That have 3D components listed as one of their categories on their family mm-hmm. that you and I have both played. Yep. Daniel, explain to them why it matters that we both played it. Well, we can have a sound argument. Uh, the The fact of the matter is, if you've only played one, uh, what was one of the games on your list that you've only played? Uh, Manhattan. Manhattan. I can't make an argument for that. And you saw it earlier. I'm like, I can't make a decision on that because I've never played it. I don't know. Right. Functionally, I understand how it works, but... How am I going to get that engrossment from right. it and make a sound argument against it if I had to vote against it? So, yeah, yeah exactly. It's good reasoning. So we we want to make sure that we both can argue against it because yeah. we're we normally uh, flip the coin of doom. Today's going to be the die of doom, and we see who argues which side, and we want to have it a fair debate because that's what this is all about: is finding out which of these is the best of those. Yeah, exactly. So um, we have five different criteria that we rank these games on. And each of those criteria help us determine which of those is the best. So, for example, the first one is ease of play. How simple it is to, to play. Uh, ease, simplicity and familiarity with the mechanisms. If you re-implement something that everyone's familiar with. Deck then building. It's, yeah, deck building or uh, roll and move even. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, it's easy to do. A Yahtzee mechanism. That's a, that's a common control. thing. Area control. Uh, what is likelihood of getting it to the table, both with either theme or the mechanisms, and uh, which is a detractor, what is the likelihood that it's prone to analysis paralysis? And that's what that term means is that do the choices hinder um, your ability to think mainly? Like, are you given too many choices or not enough choices where you freeze up because you're mm-hmm. like, there's so much to consider? Um, that Like, you or, see all the people, the grandmasters playing chess and they're yeah. just staring at a board and no one looks like they're having fun. That's analysis paralysis. Uh, yeah, so... That one, that's the big one for me, because you, you you play a lot of games with, like, min-maxers. Yep. If the game has so much choices, they'll sit there for five minutes. When it's their turn, and everybody just kind of checks out. Yeah. The next one on our list is replay value. This is the length of time of the game and scaling well. Are the game times relatively the same? Uh, case in point, I have a new game, Terra Mystica, that says 30 minutes per player. That means if you're playing a four-player game, that's a two-hour based on the box. Minimum. Minimum. So, yeah, a two-player game versus a four-player game is not scaling well. No. And, again, length of time, too. If right. it, if I can play a full game in, say, 45 minutes, it's done a good job. Yeah, that's worth my time. A minimum number of plays for the full experience. Uh, how many times do I have to play the game for me to fully get the experience in this game is it based on the card pools is it based on the combination stuff like that uh, and expandability and what we mean by this is already existing expansions up to one possible future expansions uh if it has a volume one we're assuming there's going to be a volume two right. or expansions that have been confirmed by a designer or a publisher uh we mentioned we spend a lot for this one they've said they're going to release for every single uh continent 
right. And the next one is meaningful choice. How well can you impact uh, the other player's strategy? Or are you playing multiplayer solitaire, which is another term that is used fairly often? Um, how well can you impact your own long-term strategy? Or are you playing specifically tactically? And also, do you make arbitrary choices in the game? That's always another detractor. If I can sit there and because I have too many good options or not mm-hmm. enough good options, that my choice will not ma- factor into my play. I just could play at random and do just as well as anything else. That's a detractor for it. We want to have that meaningful choice going into the game. Mm-hmm. And our fourth criteria is game immersion. Does the game fit the category best or the theme matching the mechanism? So for us in this one, is the 3D component that game is known for that we're going to talk about, is it functional or is it decorative? Yes. Uh, also, player interaction is the other cri- sub-criteria for this, and that's including getting into the role-playing, the table talk, right. the, the trash talking that can be brought out in some How games. How well do you feel like you're coming into the storyline or the concept of the game? Yeah. And finally, the memorable moments, the things that make you stand up and shout in front of a, a crowded uh, game group to make everybody turn and look at you, and then right. get embarrassed by it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... Um, before we get going, I mentioned that to our friend, um, the one who did it to, that we use this as criteria, and he just turned like red, and he's like, you guys suck. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> but I mean, also, and one of my favorite memories was playing a 12-player version of Happy Salmon at a convention. There was like a 2,000-person gaming hall, and everyone stopped to watch us. Like, I'm talking people 15 tables away stopped their game to watch us across the hall because they thought a riot was happening. It was hilarious. I love memorable moments like that. And then the last criteria is art and production. Now, this is going to be a big one, actually, with this, more than most, because the pieces and components are 3D components. We're talking, we're arguing specifically about components here. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be one of the biggest factors in this this argument. And, of course, the art, does it complement it as well? Or is the art completely different than the components themselves and take away from it? And finally, as always, graphic design. We've said this before. We'll say it again. Daniel and I are colorblind. If your game is not colorblind friendly, we're going to throw you to the wolves because Mm -hmm. that's not okay anymore. Especially because there's a high percentage of uh, Americans that matter. And I know Europeans Four percent of men are colorblind. That is not nothing. Yeah, that yeah. One in twenty-five men are colorblind. And to say, I don't want to say it, but uh, too bad. But this is also a highly male-dominated hobby. We right. need to be more welcoming for other people. But right. yeah, but even then, there's like a percentage of women that are colorblind too. Yeah. There was what there was a game that you and I played like a couple weeks ago, and we were very, we were so excited for it, and then we found out that there is like no, there there like there's like little circles of color in, in parts of it. You remember what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying and, to and we're like, man, we like this, but man, that's art. That's so tough. Oh, it was the um, the Runestone game. It's like the deck builder. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh. the deck builder by Rudiger Norton. Yeah, yeah, that was so rough. <laughs> yeah, it was tough because it had exactly that. It wasn't colorblind friendly. So anyway, um, graphic design big factor. Yeah. Also, iconography is it use usable, functional? Does it make sense? That's all a factor playing into it. And finally, 
Uh, this is not really one of our criteria, but it's very important. Yes. If we cannot come to a consensus with all that stuff that we just talked about, then it comes down to you. So right. join us on the Board Game Revolution community. It's not ours. We're using someone else's community. But yeah. we always put a poll on there because it's a very active community. Yes. Therefore, you can help decide which moves on because if we can't come up with it, it's tied. It's a wash. We just like we don't want to argue anymore. You decide what moves on based on what you voted. Good deal. So let's get into it. We're going to have our quarterfinals right now. We're going to do the top seed. Uh, well, I, we haven't listed the games. Let's do that. Oh, yeah. Our number one seed, we have Everdell. Versus our number eight seed, Rhino Hero Super Battle. Specifically the Super Battle. Yep. Our number two seed, Santorini. Versus our number seven seed, Torres. Our number three seed, Takinoko. Versus our number six seed, Camelot. And our number four seed, Colt Express. Versus our number five seed, Emotep. Uh, just a quick clarification for the Rhino Hero Super Battle. We have played both Rhino Hero and Rhino Hero Super Battle. We yeah. have a rule that we implemented, mind you. Whichever one is higher is the one that gets voted. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's why Rhino Hero Super Battle is in, but we have played both. So it didn't, didn't matter anyway. Yeah. But had we only played Rhino Hero, it would have been that probably. Yeah. So, with that being said, let's get into our first round. Daniel, uh, you'll be starting us off, and you'll be arguing... Everdale. All right. At least, uh, I like both these games, so this is quite uh, different wait, than some of us. hold on, hold on. That was a snarky comment, sir. Are you implying that I don't like these games? Uh, no, but I was... If you let me clarify what I was okay, going to say, usually, do, sir. usually when we do like the one and the eight, I don't like like the eight seed or I don't like the one right, seed. That's true. Okay. <laughs> it's like, what is going on usually with these seedings? Yeah. But this one is like, I actually enjoy both these games. I'd be right. happy if both of them move on. Right. Uh, so, Everdale, let's just talk about the elephant in the room real quick. Yes. So, the 3D component oh, is the tree. Is the tree. There's a nice version of it over there you can't see behind it. Behind it. Both of them are actually over there. I got the wood one in the. The cardboard one. First off, it's a pain in the butt to take uh, down and put back up. So right. I keep mine up and just put them on my bookshelf over right. there. Yeah, so, you and I like to combine like expansions and stuff into the same box. Yeah. You can't even put the base piece in the box. <laughs> box yeah. Uh, it is nice. It's nice to look at. It's uh, In fact, it was one of the reasons why I wanted to try this game so much. is because yes. I walked by it in the convention. I saw that tree and I'm like, oh, what is that? But the tree is not functional at no. all, really. It's actually a hindrance because uh, if you're playing a four-player game and so you have it set up where it's in the center of the table and you have one player here, one player here, one player there on the four sides of the table, the player that's sitting behind the tree cannot see the board. Yeah. So much as, so... As one does when players are sitting behind right. trees. Well, normally when we play four players, we're on either side of the table because right. I have... What I'm saying is that we don't tend to sit behind trees, trees while playing board games. games yeah. That's a problem. To the point where in an expansion, they added a board piece where you just put it at the top of the board and it functions as the tree. So th that's going to hurt this in the long run. Yeah. Do I think it's a bad game? Heck no. That's the reason why yeah, it's, a great game. it's this highly rated. It's really good. You're playing over three seasons. You're trying to get your creatures, your city, you're building your own city. Ready for winter. Um, you're trying to get all your 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 wives and your your husbands together for the farmers you're trying to get your resources to put cards out there get your city function before winter comes in get the most points make the queen mouse and the king mouse happy uh, it's it's phenomenal it's a nice little engine builder with worker placement uh, when you go into the next season you get a new worker there's a lot going on um, 
plays very well. It's a actually very thinky game for what it is. But component-wise, everything's great but the tree, and that's the reason why it's on this list. And the thing is, the tree is great looking. <laughs> yeah. It's just counterproductive productive. Yeah. so the point when we play everdell uh, mainly we sit both on both sides of the table so right. we don't sit on the four corners and i guess you could say and it works fine then because you have a place to put the cards they're tucked into the, the base of the tree um you get a little 3d printed i i seen some people do like 3d printed acorns where you can put the gold cards because they're, they're what's sure. supposed to sit on the tree those are all nice and functional, but what we had to do is we had to slide it all the way to the back end of the table, put the tree up against the wall, and then play the game out. One, that gives us a little bit more room to play our, our three-by-five grid, and it does well. The art is great in this game. The pieces and components are great in this game. I love the, um, the fact that you interchange certain things, so there's worker placement spots that are different every game from game to game. Um, you're not going to see all the cards in one game because there is multiples of stuff, but there is some of the cards, there's only like one or two of them. Like there's only one queen, there's only one king, and you want to get the king's castle or the queen's throne and stuff like that to help give you more bonus points. You're only going to see those every so often. You're just hoping to get through this the, the card deck. Not to mention, it's got a plethora of expansions. Uh, there's one, two, three, I think five expansions. Yeah. Uh, two it's aren't out yet. Terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, four. No, yeah, it's five expansions because it's Pearl Brook, uh, uh, Bell Spire, uh, Spy or Spirecrest Bell Fair, and then the most recent two that haven't arrived yet. Cool. So yeah, uh, so for me, I would want to say Everdell to move on, but then it's going up against Rhino Hero Super Rhino Battle. Hero. So, so go ahead. So my counter argument. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I first off. 100% agree with everything you said. I, I I want that to be known because I I do think Everdell is probably very much legitimately a better game. Unfortunately, that's not what we're arguing. No. We are arguing, debating specifically games with 3D components. And by that criteria alone, I think Rhino Hero should move on. Because you are building each level of floors either half floors or full floors by how you're building those out. They're nice, thick cardboard tiles. Mm -hmm. It is a dexterity game as you're trying to build upward, trying to move your pieces up, and you're climbing this rickety tower that you are all communally building. The 3D is there. It only lives in a 3D world. Yeah. It has a table presence better than a wooden tree, and that tree is great. Yeah, It's, it's absolutely gorgeous, and I love the art in Everdell, and the pieces are fantastic. But it is negatively productive to have that treat. It, it, Everdell is better without that component. It really is. And therefore, I think Rhino Hero should move on. I don't want to belabor it anymore. I just, I can't in good conscience move on Everdell knowing that the thing that we're arguing is the biggest detractor of that game. All right, so I agree with you. I know Hero Super Battle should move on. I do, however, have a question for you. Yes. Which do you prefer, Super Battle or regular Rhino Hero? Um... Probably regular Rhino Hero. I'm with you on that, but yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah, I like Super Rhino Battle. Yeah. I like the fact that you have your own characters that you're you're messing with. Yeah. But Rhino Hero is just so much simpler, right. so much more fun. You don't have to worry about like the four corners of everything, exactly. moving things around. It's just very simple. You play a card. You if it has play the hero on it, you move yeah. it up. 
And, and I want to be clear, like, I, we're looking right here, Everdale was definitely popular among the boats, mm-hmm. and, and our listeners, please keep that in mind before you tear us to shreds, <laughs> because you're, you're, you're absolutely right, it is probably functionally a better game, but Everdale's that's a better not game. what I we're arguing. Hand, handily say, Everdale is a better game. For gamers. But for, well... Yeah, well, I'll give you that. Because I think, like, non-gamers like families and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think Rhino Hero is a better game for them. But non-gamers are not going to listen to this podcast, so we're talking to the gamers. Everdale is a better game. Yes. But Rhino Hero Super Battle is the better game for this category. Yep, and this first round is when we have to kind of knock the knock the penalties for the for the game itself. Yeah. Does the 3D component add to the game or not? If it doesn't add to the game, then that's going to be hard for it to pass on. We'll argue the good games later on, but yeah. that's something that we need to keep in mind. So Rhino Hero Super Battle moves on. Our next round will be our number two seed, Santorini, versus our number seven seed, Torres. You know what I find uh, hilarious about this? What's that? Both of these games are very similar. They <laughs> very much Santorini. are, yes. And Daniel, I'll be arguing first. I hope you get one because you know it better than I do. Um, we'll find out. I do know more of them quite a bit. You get Santorini. All right. So apologies. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, so Santorini. <coughs> technically, it's two player. Theoretically, a three player. But let's be real. It's a two player game. It's two player. Yeah. So nobody's really saying it's three player. It's a two player game. Yeah. Um, but this game was made many years ago, mm-hmm. and Roxley reprinted it. Into the beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and so you are building up the buildings of Santorini. They are three level buildings, technically up to four, but not that you can stand on. There are three level buildings. There's the base, there's the middle, and then there's the top part. And there's a little dome that you can put on top of it if you need to. Your goal is to get your player piece up to the third level of any tower mm-hmm. that will let you win. You can move uh, orthogonally adjacent, so up, down, left, or right, following a wall. And you can place pieces down. Those are your basic actions. You can only build up to one level higher. So if I wanted to build a second level, I have to go up onto a first level somehow and build it. But the catch is, so can everybody else. Mm -hmm. So everyone else is kind of a... The other player is in kind of a mad dash to kind of stay near you but and not get so advanced that you can't do what you're trying to do. Because you can't move into the same piece as the other players. Yeah. And they can also lock you off by putting the domes and making that tower completely useless for everybody. Yeah. And that's a cool little block. What makes this game really sweet as far as how it works is that every player <coughs> can play with one of the Greek or Roman gods. Mm-hmm. And that has their own special ability. And Roxley's made a lot of different abilities. So it took a legitimately good strategy, abstract strategy game, and added variable player powers that feel balanced, mm. mostly. It's really solid how it works. It, it's so balanced that every player power is so powerful, it feels like it's overpowered. Right. And then if everything's overpowered, it's equal. <laughs> it's equal. It's fine. Yeah. Because like some characters can just move diagonal. Some can jump up multiple levels. Some can block other players. Yeah. It, it all works really well, so much that they re-implemented it into a Santorini, New York. Stupidest name ever. Um, but Santorini... I, I fell in love with this game when I first played it. I thought it was a phenomenal thing. And I'm a fan of Abstract, so I'm a little biased. But this, other than the theme, it made perfect sense as to how you played. And it's a very simple concept. Yeah, it's one of the few Abstract strategy games that are actually on my shelf. I don't really have right. a lot. 
No, I'm American just trying you. to figure out where I put it. Mm-hmm. Right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> actually, I think it's on this side. Okay, I'll look but, for it while you talk. But I, I, I've really enjoyed it. It's actually one of the more beautiful games out there. It. I'll say this about Roxley. They produce some of the prettiest games out there. They have a battle Yahtzee, and you can see it right behind me over here, version. I have the Marvel version. A battle Yahtzee that is spectacular. But going on to Taurus. Now, when it comes to like the pieces and components on this, Taurus has some nice stuff, but it's not going to touch Santorini. Are you sure you have it? Yeah, I have it. It's down there, I think. Okay. Well, no, no, no. Keep, keep talking. I'll figure it out, but... Yeah, I do have it, but uh, I'll, wor- I'll talk about it or worry about it later. I, I know I have it because the wife gave it to me for Christmas and I did not get rid of it. In fact, you showed me my version. Um, so anyways, Taurus. Uh, the big thing about this one is I don't remember it a lot. I do remember you know, what you were explaining too is that you're building components. Um, you're, it's in the same aspect. <laughs> it's right above Everdell, isn't it? Yeah. So you're building this uh, the same thing. You can only go as high as what you have connected. So if you're building three level, or like if your your level is three, you can only go three stories high. Right. Exactly. And so you're. I can't remember what's the end game goal. I don't remember the end game. I think it's when pieces can't be put out anymore. Yeah. But uh, all of the different groupings can never be combined. Mm-hmm. And so, and you're and you're trying to get the most numbers. points, basically. Right. Uh, it's it's a bit of an area control. So you're mm-hmm. trying to control those, uh, the stories, the right. levels, the the groupings, as much as you can. And you're trying to be the person. I guess I think it's like at the highest point, just kind of like Santorini, where you need right. to get to the third level to win. This one, you want to be at the highest of a grouping. This way, you can control it because you can get the most points. Right. Exactly. And so, I believe that the scoring works out to essentially. The area of uh, squares that you take up mm-hmm. multiplied by the height of the mm-hmm. highest yeah, point. exactly. That's going to be the score of that building, and it goes to whoever is the highest point on that building. Yeah. And so it's it's a fine game. I remember playing it. Um, it's been, what, three years since it we played this It was a Spiel de Jar winner. Uh, that's the main reason why we played it. You're like, I got it. We need to try it. We yep. need to play it. It was fine. I think Santorini is a better game. Uh, it has better components. It's much prettier. Like if I put both of these on a table and people are playing it, they're going to be more gravitated toward uh, Santorini just because yeah. of the the starkness of the white buildings. Yeah, the white buildings, the dark against the blue brown domes. and yellow <laughs> of Torres. Right. right. So um, for me, I think Santorini should move on. One, I remember it a lot more, and it's been a while since I played Santorini too, and right. I just remember it. And, and the reason why I remember it. Is because the variable player powers. They're yes. just so good. I was just about to say that. I think what really sets Santorini above Torres, and there's nothing wrong against Torres because I do yeah. like it a lot, um, but what sets Santorini different is how different those variable player mm-hmm. powers are and how memorable they are. Yeah. I mean, they're they're very similar to the same game, you know? Yeah, exactly. Except um, for one, you want more points, whereas the other one, you want to be on the third yeah, tower. third tower. And, but the way that those player powers work, it's just, it works really well. Yeah. Pieces are prettier. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got the, the deluxe version, you have that extra level tower, you mm-hmm. know, like the, the base, it looks like a floating island. And just and the box, cool. the box cover alone. Yep, just, the art on it, oh, phenomenal. so gorgeous. So, Roxley, yep, Santorini will move on. And it will fix Rhino Hero. That will be an interesting argument. All right, our number three round will be our number three seed, Takenoko, versus our number six seed, Camel Up. Hey, remember the, the one and eight? And I was like, hey, I like both of these games. You like neither of these games. <laughs> uh, 
I like one of them. Yeah, I know which one you like. I hope you don't argue it. <laughs> uh, who's doing the... Oh, uh, yes. Yes, we should find out the argument. All right, I'll be arguing first. Let's see, just make sure I pull the right one. Okay, all right. Yeah, <laughs> you get Takenoko. Okay, so I have to argue Takenoko. <laughs> um, you know... No, Takenoko's fine. It, uh, it works well. Honestly, let's do what we did with Everdell. Let's talk about the elephant in the room first. Okay, so the 3D components are the bamboo. The bamboo does not need... For the game, for it's what it is. super pretty. Mm-hmm. It looks great. Again... You know, the, the chibis, the, the gardener and the panda, they look great. It does not need to be there. They don't. They they, they functionally that, don't need to be towers of bamboo. Yeah. And I mean, I aesthetically, they do need to be. The, but, in Camelop, people can say, like, well, the pyramid, but the pyramid drops what's coming out. So you, it's basically no, pyram- a drop The pyramid is not the 3D component of it. It's the stacking of the camels. Well, the That's pyramid the 3- does count, too. Yes, it, it's a 3D component, yes. Because it's basically a drop tower. But the stacking of the camels is where the 3D <laughs> yeah, element come into play. Yeah, I know. But the drop tower, you're right. I mean, it's... <laughs> the, it, the pyramid's there, and it's really cool. But Especially the second edition. The <laughs> second edition is much better, yeah. But, I mean, in all honesty, I mean... I. I want to argue Takenoko and give it a fair chance because it is a cool game because there's three different ways to score right. So cards. if you're not going to talk about the elephant in the room, I will. What? Graphic design. I know. I, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> but, no, the, the, the 3D bamboo is where is the reason it's on this list yeah, no, I get it. and it's not functionally necessary. Oh, yeah. It's not functionally necessary. It's I mean, aesthetically necessary. It is not functionally necessary. Yeah. I, but it makes sense because you needed yeah. to get to a certain level. It's There's less of an argument than Everdell. Everdell, yeah. But Everdell it's, is, it's, at the same time, it's just like, I, it, you know, if you had just bamboo pieces, like cardboard pieces, and it laid flat, it would still functionally work the same way. But uh, that aside, you know, the way you score points in this game, you're trying to score cards for points. And the way you do it is by collecting bamboo by eating it, by moving the panda to spots with bamboo. Or moving the gardener to make it grow, or laying out different tiles um, yeah. that grow certain colors of bamboo, and having different patterns in there. So you score points in those three different ways. Um, the way it works is you're going to take two standard actions, and you're going to take one action based on the weather die, which is kind of like a random action, but it's a bonus action that you get. Um, the Functionally, it makes sense. The, the Gardener and the panda are moving in straight lines. Mm-hmm. You know, you're growing bamboo. You have to have everything irrigated. Um, so you can add water to irrigate different different spots if yeah. the tile isn't irrigated. They can't grow the bamboo that you necessarily need. Um, everything works. It, I have not... I don't enjoy the game anymore. But the biggest argument, light green, light pink, and whatever the other color is, it doesn't matter. We can't see it. How dare you? It is one of the least <laughs> colorblind friendly games. It, like, it's really bad. The you're first you're time more I severe than I am, and uh-huh. I have a lot of trouble with it. To the point where the first time I played this game, I <sighs> thought I was setting myself up for scoring one type of bamboo or something like that to give me some good points. Yeah. And the cards were actually three different colors. Yes. And yeah, that sucked for me because, yeah. in fact, I lost the game because of that. Yes. I couldn't, I was just like, I was done. I haven't played it since. Now, I'll give you this. The giant version of Takanoku is a very pretty game because I saw yeah. it at Dice Tower West in 2019. People yeah. were playing it. It's gorgeous. 
I would not. I, it's funny because my friends were like, "Hey, you want to try that?" I'm like, "I'll play. I'll play the giant version of Azul over here. I'll play the giant version of Small World over there. I am not touching that game because I can't see the cards." Yep, exactly, exactly. That's a problem. And here's the thing: I can see the bamboo, the the, the growing pieces of the bamboo. Sure. You could tell the variation of it, but when you go to the cards, the cards don't really match the colors right. either, and that's a big problem. Because I'm looking at the cards, and I'm like, "Okay, I think this is the green, so I'm going to use this for the green." But it was the pink and the yellow and whatever the colors right. were, and I just couldn't see it. It's, I want them to make a color colorblind friendly version of this game, yeah. and I'll try to give it a second chance. But I will not touch the base game because right. of how unfriendly it is. So before you argue it, I mean, uh, definitely make your case for Camelot. But between those two arguments of how uncolorblind friendly it is, and the fact that it doesn't really work in our category. Mm-hmm. It should be an easy decision, but still make your argument for Camelot. Well, Camelot's a spiel winner, isn't it? It is. Uh, so, and the thing and about you know is, how biased I am <laughs> on spiel winners. No, I'm the first to admit when I don't like a spiel winner. There's yeah, yeah, been, yeah. There's been quite a few. I, yeah, especially was, recently, too. Oh, speaking of spiel winners, we yeah, got to talk about recently. that. We will. We'll talk about uh, Cascadia, <laughs> which just won. Yeah. Which, oh, I like Cascadia. I, I bought it already. I, I, I bought it before. I want to buy it, but yeah. I was confident that it was going to be I fun. almost bought it on Game Nerds deal, but it sold out like instantly. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, they had it for like 20 bucks. Ooh, wow. That's a good yeah, deal. Yeah, it was a good deal. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, neither here nor there. Camel Up. Mm-hmm. It's a good game for what it is. I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, both of these games. One, I just actively won't play it because it's just I can't. Right. The other one, I, I'll play it if someone really, really wants to play it. Like our mutual friend has the second mm-hmm. edition that he wants to get played. I'll play it if he wants to. Like, if it's his pick and he brings it over and wants to play his version, fine. For a racing game, it's not up my cup of tea. There's other games that I'd rather play for racing purposes. Right. Uh, but for functionality... We should discuss this on a racing yeah. podcast. Yeah. Uh, for functionality of when it comes to the 3T components, you mentioned it, the, the camels. Phenomenal. I love the stacking and you just move the entire stack mm-hmm. uh, if you're moving the certain colors. I like the fact that you could still be in the game based on some of the bets because that's basically how you're going to win. Yeah, your you're just, gonna, betting. You're just betting straight yeah. up. Uh, and then I love the, the pyramid because it's basically a drop tower. It's telling you which things are going to be moving across the track when things come out. Right. It is the better game compared yes. to the two. Not just functionality-wise uh, for components and stuff like that mm-hmm. for this topic, but it's just functionally a better game. Yep. Because everybody can still play it mostly, especially yeah. the second edition, which is vastly more colorblind friendly than the first version. Yeah. And the first version wasn't even that bad. It had some pretty bright colors. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was functionally fine, but it is the second edition is quite a bit better. Yeah, and so I want to mention to this, because we're both colorblind and we're talking yes. about Takenoko and it's getting knocked because of it. For any board game designers or wannabe board game designers out yes. there, if you want to make games colorblind friendly, there's a couple options you can do. Shade variations. If you're going to put red and green, because that's what most people do, make the reds darker, yep. make the greens uh, lighter, or vice versa. But don't yes. put them in the same tone. Don't use pastel and pastel. Yeah, it, try, try to avoid all dark colors based on the... It, there's a few games that do that where it's like the aesthetic of the game means that you have to have dark colors or all light colors. You can even do... But Alea has had that problem for years. Yeah. And we always argue it when Alea does a game where it's always yellows, browns, and grays. To the Hard point to where see. they had to print three different versions of Carpe Diem to yep. make it more and more friendly. Yes. The game's only been out for, what, two, three years, something, something like, like that? that. Uh, not, 
So yeah, there's that. There's also apps that can help you uh, with colorblind. Stonewire yes. does it. They use three different colorblind friendly apps that help them find the perfect colors yep. for players to use. Now, sometimes they miss with their um, collector's edition of Red Rising right. <laughs> because the metal doesn't uh, adhere to the colors as well. So make it more friendly for people like us because again 4% of the population of right. men are colorblind and then at the very least symbology mm-hmm. have every color mean a symbol well symbol uh, ticket to ride is one of the best examples yep. early examples of it your reds are certain uh, like the oranges are circles the greens are crosses mm-hmm. yep. and so if you're going to use colors, do. put some symbology on it this way everybody knows the greens are always going to be this the reds are always going to be this exactly so I think we're in agreement. Camelops moving on. Camelops moving on. And our final round of our quarterfinals is Colt Express versus Imhotep, the third Spiel winner that we've argued today. <laughs> wow, who knew that the Spiel winners uh, were very big about 3D, 3D components? Yeah, and a lot of the new ones haven't. They're all flat. They wouldn't. They wouldn't work with 3D components. With Technically, Cascadia could. Yeah, probably if you could. get like the, lo- the little the little animal minis that you could buy sure. that I want to do for Ark Nova, yeah, yeah, it could. I mean, uh, yeah. All right, who's going first? All right, or who's let's arguing? Find out. The first argue is you, and I am getting yeah, Colt Express. Okay, <laughs> the other spiel winner in this. <laughs> yeah, wasn't Emotep uh, nominated? It was a nominated. Yes, I, I think, think Ark Nova might have been, been, been nominated. I don't know about talking Nova, I but I know so. Emotep was. Yeah. Which is interesting because uh, we're talking a Phil Walker Harding game too. And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is going to be a tough argument. Okay, so for me personally, I don't like Colt Express for one reason. Yes. One reason only. Yep. I got sausage fingers. I, the game's fine. It's a phenomenal game because you're just playing cards. You're trying to score treasure and not get caught by the sheriff. And people are playing cards to send the sheriff to the, whoever's leading. Right. And, and basically away from me. And it's kind of like programming because you're you're moving things in certain directions. You're going up, down the cards. It's cool. It's very cool. Now, there's one another issue I have with Cult Express. The 3D pieces for, like, the <coughs> scenery. The most useless thing out there just to give it a little more pop at the table. It's like, come on, really? But everything else is fine. The train is cool. Yeah. I like everything about it is. But like I said, what I need... It is functional, It's too. It's very yeah, functional. The bottom of the train is a very different Yeah, thing. and the thing is, is it's that's your game board. So yes. you have to pay attention. I need a, a giant version of this game for I can play it properly because it's hard to get like your maple and move them a couple stages if you go into there. Right. Oh, well, I knock someone over. Oh, I knock someone knock someone off the train mm-hmm. because my hand pushed the whole train car basically. Ugh. But all in all, it's not a bad game. I see why it won the spiel. I see why it's popular. Uh, the components, the arts, the graphic design, phenomenal. Uh, you do really feel like you're you're. Um, like in a train heist? Yeah, there you go. I was going to think of that. Mar- like marauders on a train heist. Uh, bandits. There we go. That's what I... I couldn't think of the term. Bandit. Um, you feel like you're doing that. You're you're trying to outplay the other players. You're trying to collect gold. But you're also trying to send the sheriff. No, no, no. Go over that way. Right. You get into fisticuffs. That's what's funny about it, too, is that you can get into fisticuffs in this game. Uh, there is a lot of meaningful choices, but eh, a little bit because it's all based on a deck pool and deck draw. Um, it's... Easier to play than Emotep, and that's saying something because Emotep is actually quite simple. To a way, yeah. Yeah. But honestly, 
when we're coming through the 3D aspect of this, I think Cult Express should go on. It fits this category better than Emotep because if you don't 3D print the boats, they're just cardboard pieces. Right. It, the 3D components of this game is stacking the stacking the of the cubes. For the obelisk tile. Well, not just that. Uh, like uh, when you're building the pyramid, the burial too. Oh, yeah. Other than that, that's really all Emotep does for right. the 3D part. Right. So... Yeah, and I have to argue that. So my argument is, I'm gonna say Phil Walker Harding, <laughs> and, and actually one of his better ones too. It's one of my favorite Phil Walker Hardings because the choices you make is either get some more cubes, put a cube, sail a boat. It shouldn't be that simple, yet it's very simple. You play and a certain very strategic number of boats, too. Very strategic as to what boat you sail. You can sell other people's boats, whether you have something on it or and not. And then certain boats the, cannot sell until there's a certain number of cubes on it. Right, exactly. So the bigger the boat needs more cubes to sail. Mm-hmm. Um, the positioning of where they are on the boat, the one that's closest to the to the front of the boat, goes off first and gets placed by the player. The extra blue cards, the special abilities, those are cool. Uh, the the variability of like swapping around tiles, each... Each of the different categories has, I think, at least four tiles in the base set alone. The expansions add another, like, four sets of each one. Mm-hmm. So, definitely more replay value. Colt Express is good, and it's a spiel winner, and rightfully so. But I cannot disagree with you. There's <laughs> no reason to have it 3D other than just the fact that, yeah, some cubes are on other cubes. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't really matter. I mean, building the pyramid and how many... I mean, technically, the obelisk could just be whoever has the most cubes. It's just a majority thing, so it doesn't matter. But the pyramid, yes, where you place it does matter. But at the same time, does it? Like, at the same time, it doesn't really. Like, I mean, it kind of does. You're going to go for the more points, and that's just positioning and timing. I mean, I can't disagree with you. I I can't in good conscience let Imhotep move move on. on. The big part of it, too, is, like, I know you're trying to save costs, and you put all of it in, like, the wood blocks. Yeah. Just, just give us some, like, plastic boats that yeah. make it just infinitely cool. I ended up 3D printing my boats just yeah. because I had it. Yeah, and it, just to make it cool, you know, and, like, 3D print some rafts, and it's yeah. fine. Um, yeah, I can't argue. Based on our criteria, uh, we're weeding out the ones that don't utilize the 3D component, and that's why Probably, Cold yeah. Express is, is legitimately moving on. Uh, just we'll say it out here for, like, everybody out there. You prefer email type over Cold yes. Express. Yes, Same. hands down. Even though I'm a spiel junkie, uh, spiel winner, yeah, I hands down. Honestly, I've played a lot of the spiel winners, not every single one like right. you practically have because you own every single yes. one. Um, this is pro- Cult Express is probably one of my least favorite of the, the spiel winners. It, yeah, it's not one of my favorites. Um, it's in bottom half, but I still enjoy playing it. I, I enjoy playing it. Again, my big detractor is I got massive hands uh, when I was training in like <laughs> training. <laughs> when you were training, you see what I'm saying? Training for exercise. I was training in like MMA and stuff like that. I had to wear two X gloves. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So these are not fitting in those little train cars. So good news, I, you know, I hate being on my phone during the podcast, but I did check a website called Thingiverse. <laughs> Trains are 3D printable, and you can scale them. So, we're good, all right? We're going to make a copy. You're going to stick your whole arm in. If we need okay, to. that works. We'll make a massive version. I think that would be actually really fun. Oh, speaking of which, uh, before uh, we move we'll on. We'll make them a, a foot wide each. Because I was just going to say, that would be actually kind of cool for like a convention. Um, the wife gave me the go-ahead on, in September, if we are still doing it. Sounds good. All right. 
So that's, that's definitely something that I want to do is, is 3D print some trains. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. <laughs> so we'll definitely do that. Um, all right. So Colts Express moves on. So we had four games that were eliminated primarily just because they didn't really use the functional 3D. 3D as well. Yeah. Torres was the best out of those three, I think. Yeah. Functional wise? Yeah. Functionally wise. Okay, Torres yeah. was the only one that actually <laughs> used 3D. not the 3D. best out of those. No. Four. But it used it. It used 3D <laughs> the best. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about. Out of the ones that were eliminated, how many votes did they get? All right, so for our lowest one, which was Torres, uh, they got no votes. Moving on to our number five seed, which is the next lowest that got eliminated, which was Emotep, uh, they had 4% of the vote. Uh, moving on to the next one was our three seed, Takanoku, Who's not getting any love either? It was at zero percent as well. And finally, our number one seed, Everdell, was eliminated, and it was our top vote getter at forty-three percent. So immediately, everyone shut the podcast <laughs> off because we've angered the audience. Yeah, and don't get me don't get me wrong. We both agree that Everdell is a good or great game, yeah. depending on your flavor. But functionally, for this. <laughs> Send your hate mail to Daniel1 at Gmail. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and send it to Daniel1 to see who else gets it because it's not going to be me. Uh, I don't know if I want to, uh, you know, put our email at the end of the podcast. Nope, no, not, not at the moment. <laughs> not at the moment. All right, so we're moving on. We have going into the semifinal round our number two seed, Santorini, going up against our eight seed, Rhino Heroes Super Battle. All right, so let us begin. Uh, we are going to start with me. Are you arguing Santorini or Rhino Hero Super Battle? The battle for the 3D components. Both of these, I will say, are these are all very functionally 3D. I get Rhino Hero Super Battle. Sounds great. Can the 8 seed keep knocking off these top seeds? Here's the question. We'll find out. So, along with all the arguments that you were saying, all of these use the 3D aspect of it. Um, splendidly and it's functional for the game yes right now here a super battle you're building towers moving your player characters up certain degrees you also have like hanging monkeys on this for some reason and you're just a group of superheroes trying to see who the best superhero is in this entire yes. game phenomenal game can play with kids that's the big point this is a hobby game this is made to play with children but you see grown adults laughing and giggling every time they play this game. You'll see this at conventions with uh, adults in their 30s, 40s, and 50s just giggling and having a good time. Yeah, I still do. I still do. But the, the thing about it is sometimes you don't have to be serious. No. And this is one of those games where you can be silly and have a great time. And uh, for me personally, I think this one should move on just for that simple aspect of it. Sure. But when you're talking about the 3D components, too, yeah, you're both building 3D component parts of the game, but this one is exponential. It can go as high as you have cards. It could just keep going. So I've seen some people pull out two copies of this game and just keep going and going to see how hard they high they can get the, the, the card tower up. Mm -hmm. I love that aspect of it because you're, it's for the 3D functional, this can just keep going and going until the tower falls. I love that. It's fun. It's again. It's very simple. Uh, Santorini is the more gamery of the games, yes. but 
Rhino Hero, uh, when you're talking about game immersion, when you're talking about the memorable moments, there's going to be more memorable moments for this just because of that aspect. We, we Again, like I said, we've seen it in conventions where people are building the tower and just giggling, and you're saying, like, the, your happy salmon where people just stop and see what they're doing. Yeah, It leads to all that. So it's, for me, I think we should go through the criteria. I'll let you have your say. For I think... It's going to be Rhino Hero Super Battle, but let's see what you have to say. Well, uh, as you said, Santorini is the gamery of the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, between the two, I mean, it definitely wins meaningful choice. Hand, oh, yeah. Right? It, it, it defeats dexterity in that because it is a very, very strategic game. Yeah. And the variable player power adds so much mm-hmm. um, options for, you know, replay value. Yeah. Um, and the components are really beautiful. I mean, we, we they both definitely utilize the 3D aspect. In fact, they really wouldn't work without the 3D part of it. So that's going to be a wash no matter what for that category. You yeah. know, so does theme match mechanisms in this? Yeah, they both do. You know, mm-hmm. um, now they're not technically thematic. I mean, what makes it you heroic by getting to the top of a weird tower that's being built under you, right? Yeah. It's not. But again, what is other than the shape of the buildings? What does it have to do with Santorini? <laughs> so again, it's a wash for that part. But I feel like. I feel like, personally, I think Santorini is a simpler game than Rhino Hero Super Battle because Super Battle adds in the half-layer and double-layer um, mm-hmm. uh, towers. It adds in the extra pieces that move around. It adds the monkey things that you that you were talking about. It adds moving the pieces around. It, there's more to it than the simplicity of Santorini, which is literally move a piece or build a tower. Mm-hmm. That's going to be your turn. You have plenty of options to do it get to the top you win it's technically that's the win condition in rhino hero super battle as well but now if this is going up against um rhino hero the base game yeah ease of play would go to rhino hero but it's not since it's super battle it is i do feel santorini is easier to play which that alone in my very just quick assessment that's a four to one for santorini so let's actually break it down okay. and see how it works out um there are some that I feel is is obvious, and that's meaningful choice. Uh, Santorini. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so ease of play, simplicity and familiarity of the message. So simplicity, I will give you Santorini. Yes. You just move a piece, one a piece. But likelihood to get to the table. I, you know, I feel it's a wash on that just because... I, I don't. You think the superhero part aspect the, of well, it? Well, the superhero aspect of it and just the silly aspect of it. I See, I feel like the, the beauty of... like Because people know what Santorini is and know those iconic buildings. Mm-hmm. When you see that as a 3D component, that actually represents it yeah, really well. Yeah, but people well. know it, but who really... My, my aspect of it is that I, like, I didn't get Santorini because of the Greek Isles. I know the Greek Isles. I am a history buff, so I know a lot of that stuff. If I were had to choose, even with me knowing the historical, I would go with Super Battle. I know a lot like of the fantasy. Super I, well, yeah, well, that, okay. and I also know a lot of people will pull that out more so. Like our friend Gamehead Geek, he would right. because of this big reason, it's something they can pull out to play with their kids. Santorini is not something a kid is going to get excited to play. That's fair. That's a good point. Um, and then prone to analysis paralysis, that is Santorini. <laughs> Santorini. Which means ease of play goes, goes to, to Rhino Hero. Yep. Yeah. So replay value, that should go to Santorini. Santorini. Yes. Okay. Other than the, the length of time and scaling well, because they both play pretty fast. Santorini is basically a two-player game. Rhino Hero is going to take a little bit longer because you can play with more people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. All right. Get that problem again. Thank you, Huskarag. Yeah, we're having some microphone and audio issues. We apologize. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, 
let's move on to the meaningful choice. We already know that's Santorini. Santorini. What about replay value? Well, we, we were saying replay value, I think, is um, minimal number of plays to get the fullest Oh, yes, yes. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I meant uh, game about. immersion. Game immersion. So, game immersion, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, yep. Santorini gets replay value and meaningful choice. Yep. Uh, game immersion uh, is does the game fit the category best? Both of these fit pretty yes. well. So, we're going to call that one a wash. Right. Player interaction. interaction. I don't feel like I'm actually in Santorini and Santorini. <laughs> We're in Super Battle. I feel like the the fact that I'm building up the buildings and running to the top, that is a little more thematic. Yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. that being like a cartoon. All right. So that's one for Rhino Hero. So yep. who gets memorable moments? Um, probably Rhino Hero as well. Yep. Yeah. Just because when the tower comes falling, that so, since it's a dexterity game, when that comes tumbling down, everyone's just up in a riot. Yeah, hands down. Right, and so finally, art and production. This is going to be the end. This is the tough one. Pieces um, and components, hands down, <coughs> Santorini. Yes, I agree. The art. I mean, they're both great <laughs> art. They're really great art. I that. This one's tough. I think graphic design is a wash because it's basically right. just cards versus buildings. That get yeah, built. I would say the art is a wash too because the cartoony Rhino Hero stuff. Is really I good. agree with you. Yeah. Therefore, Santorini is moving on. Just barely. And we're going to take a quick back. So now we're going into our final of the semi-final rounds. And that is going to be Colt Express versus Camelot. The two Spiel de Jar winners. Two of the three that are on our list. <laughs> yeah. And both ones that I like. I think both ones that you're iffy on. One more so than the other. Um, I probably like them about this. Who is the other one? Torres, that's right. Torres, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's see who's going. All right, so our arguer will be on the floor. It would be you. Yep. That'll be me with the six. So I'll be arguing for Cult Express. Cult Express, okay. So pre programming in this game is actually really fun. There is a lot of strategic basis that you need to consider when deciding what you're going to do. You have a handful of your action cards, which are either move up or down to the opposite level, move left or right, based on where you're facing, turning around. So where your character is facing, that really does matter. And then, excuse me, on top of that, you can shoot off into the distance, you can sh like punch people that are adjacent to you, and you're all trying to consider who's going for what, which bags you can take from whom, and you have to strongly consider your options when you see what people are playing because the first player is going to change throughout the round and the round itself has some weird variability as to some cards might be played face down completely random and the other ones might be face up so you can see what people are plotting but going through the tunnels really adds a wrinkle in everything now i do agree that i get why you don't like the extra little 3d components <laughs> but they had some extra cardboard of course and instead of wasting it, I'm glad they at least did something. And that's, like, everyone who looks at it, they all kind of think the same thing. They're like, okay, that's stupid, but also a little cool. Like, at the same time. I, think, I don't think it's cool. I, I think it's funny, personally. I think it's absolutely hilarious that they did that. Because I know that they didn't use extra cardboard to do it. They didn't raise the cost of the month of the game. They're going to have that cardboard anyway because of all the train pieces that need to be punched out. Yep. So they might as well utilize it, right? Makes sense. No wasted space. You know, just utilize the pieces. It makes sense. But anyway, you're right. It doesn't. It only adds to the flavor of the game. 
which I feel adds a little bit more to the immersion, the fact that those pieces are out there. Not really. I, I know you don't think so, but I really do. I really enjoy that fact. I'd rather have, like, 3D printed pieces for that, because it's like, those... But that would eh. jump up the price of the game. Oh, no, I... Just have someone else put the 3D printed for the immersion. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, you can still 3D print it, sure. I mean, I, I can too. But that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the fact that they took that effort to do it. Um, so, but regardless of size, I like Plus, the pre-programming. Functionally, it doesn't make sense. We're supposed to be on a moving train, and they're standing still. It's like one of those... When you point out that way, <laughs> off in the distance, it's moving very slowly, okay? It's, it's, it's a perspective thing, which adds to the 3D right there, you know? It seems stereoscopic because it's so far away. It's hard to move. You know, like when, when you're seeing like a moving car, all the stuff that's closer moves faster. Yeah. It's really far away. That's why it's mountaintops. And it's only like that big. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense. Anyway, but we're talking about the game itself. Um, the 3D component does actually have a factor in it. As it does Camel Up, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. Um, I feel like there's a lot of choice and a lot of really interesting ideas behind when do you do what you do? When your plans fall apart, it's not a complete wash, and it adds to the variability of everybody else. If I mess up because I misplanned one thing, that doesn't mean that I'm out of the running. That that might actually make it a, more of a hindrance for everybody else. So I love that aspect of it. So regardless, I do think Colt Express should move on between the two. All right, so i got to argue for Camel Up. Uh... I can't disagree with everything you said other than the the, the pieces but that are just useless. Right. Uh, Camel Up, there's no useless pieces in this game. No, but you know what there is, though? In the expansion. Gambling. In the expansion, <laughs> there is a, there's a little 3D camera. We're not talking about the expansion. No, no, I, just, I love the 3D camera. It's one of the components. <laughs> like, there's a photographer. In, in, I don't know what it does, but I know that there's a little camera on a tripod as one of the pieces, and that's awesome. Anyway, uh, the again, it has the nice drop tower. It has the the camel pieces that kind of stack mm-hmm. up and they move along. Um, I like a lot of it. the The moving of the the camels aren't really thematic per se because the the, t- the only time you're going to see a camel mounting another camel is something you're going to have to explain to your ge- kids or National Geographic. Right. Well, <laughs> camels aren't known for their homes, so. <laughs> go on. Sorry. Sorry. But I can't disagree with you. I think Cult Express should move on as well because the big part of um, the basic game of Camel Up is the gambling part of it. Everything else is basically luck of the draw in a sense because you don't know what camels are moving unless what comes out of the the, the pyramid. Um, If they're on top of each other, they're moving the whole pile, but the person on the bottom is the one that's leading, so that's also kind of confusing sometimes. And so... It's got everything for it. I want to like it. It just, I think Colt Express, my only argument for Colt Express is I can't get my hand in there to move pieces. That's my main argument and the useless pieces. But I understand what you're saying. They had the cardboard space. Might as well use it. But I think Colt Express should move on. All right. Sounds good. Colt Express is moving on. That's a pretty simple argument. Other than useless pieces. And now the argument for useless pieces. <laughs> There's no useless pieces in one of these games. Oh, no. Santorini absolutely has an entire raised level base. Totally not necessary. Don't argue useless pieces on me on that one. No way. Colt Express it has aesthetic stuff. Santorini isn't lifted off of the ground. Plus it is. I don't know. I've never been. 
I don't remember It's that more on like hillside. I know so. it's hillside, right? But there's not a whole massive platform. Technically, they are lifted off the ground because they're on the hillside. Yeah. Well, one house is taller than the other, but you know what made more sense for Santorini? San Francisco. <laughs> Better than New York. Uh, yeah. If they're going to go with an American city, since Santorini's sure. built on hillside, San Francisco would have been a better choice than New York. That's true. That's, you're not wrong on that. All right. So, you know what they could have done, too? It's like, New York City, a Santorini game. Yes. <laughs> but moving on to the finals. All right. Well, let's talk about how many votes. Uh, oh, yeah. And... Rhino Hero Super Battle. Rhino Hero Rhino Hero Super Battle was our eight seed. Moved all the way up to the the semifinals. Took out Everdale. Mm-hmm. It was. Let's give it a little refresh. No love. Zero percent votes. Yeah. If it was Rhino, you know, in all honesty, if it was Rhino Hero, I'd probably would have gotten more votes. Maybe. I think it would. Because uh, last time we put Rhino Hero on the the thing. It got a decent amount of votes. And again, uh, it's almost never that we have Hobbit games voted for. True. Yeah, I think a lot of, I'm not trying to assume, but I do think a lot of like gamer gamers like don't think it's a cool thing to vote for. Where I, I don't care. Oh, I yeah. I I'll, like Hobbit. I like Charlie. I still giggle when we play Coconuts, all right? Yeah, <laughs> this is hilarious. That's right. So I'm okay. If Coconuts was on the list, I'd vote for it. I mean, you and I played Forbidden Bridge the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was. loved it. That was hilarious. It was even more hilarious. You kept dropping your yeah. draws. It wasn't meant to be good. It's meant to be fun. All right. And then finally, Camel Up was eliminated, and it had 15% of the votes. Very good. So our final round, we do not take sides. We just simply argue each of the five criteria between Santorini and Colt Express. <coughs> Daniel, is there any of them that are immediately obvious? Uh, there's... Kind of two that fall in place for me. Okay. Uh, for me, I think ease of play. Okay. Um, I think that's Santorini because, again, you're just moving one and another. Uh, the only problem I have for Santorini is actually, I think ease of play, now that I'm looking at it, is going to go to Cult Express. The simil- simplicity and familiarity to the mechanism, that's easily Santorini. Yeah. But the fact that. Uh, likelihood to get to the table. The train is going to make the fact that Colt Express is more likely to get to the table than Santorini. Yeah. As well as Santorini can sometimes lead to analysis paralysis more so than Absolutely. Colt Express. So, so easy to play, we'll go to Colt Express. Yep. Alright. And then um, the other one that jumps out to me is art and production for Santorini. I just think it's a better looking game overall. The train is fine. But uh, the train starts to get frayed with the cardboard. Um, it starts to deteriorate after the a time. cardboard pieces with the money on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. The art is okay. I think yeah. I like the art in Santorini. But the pe- uh, the actual Santorini yeah, the pieces, pieces. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And the graphic design is pretty solid as well. They're, they're both really good. Uh, it's, it's honestly a really tight thing. But yeah, I think just those plastic pieces, mm-hmm. the, the starkness of the white, uh, the dark blue buildings. They really captured uh, yeah, the, the dress basis uh, of Santorini. Basically. Yeah. All right. So moving on, like you were saying, replay value. Um, replay value. Length of time and scaling well. Both of them are pretty quick. The only problem with Santorini, you can play with more players, but it's you two players. players. Yeah, and you really can't. Yeah. Yes, you can. It's not, it's not a thing. 
it's like uh just shoehorning a solo play in right. a uh or our personal favorite right. adding a dummy player for a two player yeah. game or, or like, like when they say it's a four player, player and you're playing two, two like oh well, two players are playing the same card. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not a four player. Game. It's no. Two don't don't lie to me. Yeah, uh, that big uh, bad is Star Wars Rebellion. It's two to four, but the it's not two to four. It's a two player game because if you're doing two to four or yeah two to four, then somebody's splitting the ground troops and the space troops. That's not fun. Yeah. I want to control the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's why, why I'm playing it. Yeah. yeah. Stop yeah, so uh, Santorini does not scale well. <laughs> no, no, it really doesn't. Uh, minimum number of plays for the full experience. No, that's tricky. I think they're pretty. It pretty much is a wash. Uh, I think it's a wash as well. Um, but expandability, um, there aren't expansions for Santorini. I mean, I think there's technically like a, there's a whole other game. <laughs> a whole other game, right? But I mean, there's enough expandability in Cult Express to warrant a big box version. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. So, replay value, Colt Express? Yep. Yeah. Replay value, Colt Express. Alright. Uh, meaningful choice. Impact of other players' strategies is huge in both of them. Mm-hmm. But um, your long-term strategy, you must play on top of your game to win the Santorini. Yeah. And the big thing about this, I think meaningful choice is going to go to Santorini for the next one. Arbitrary choices. Yes. You're beholden to card draws. Yes. Uh, well, no, no, you're not beholden to card draws because oh, yeah. you have all your cards. Yeah. But the the funnest part about Cold uh, <laughs> Express is when you go into the tunnels because it's that chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that means that you can't adequately plan for an entire round. That is a well, yeah, but as far as strategy goes, but it's amazing as far as <laughs> the theme goes. So <laughs> I think game of, I think uh, meaningful choice goes to Santorini. Yes. Yeah. So two and two. It all comes down to game immersion. Which game fits the category best and matches the theme? Um, again, they both heavily utilize the three D function. I'm okay with calling that part um, a wash. Uh, the the thing about it is Cult Express. The three D part of it is fine because right. you're playing on the train, yes. where you're actively playing the 3d part of it in santorini yes. I, and see here's the biggest part in order to play the game you need a 3d aspect in the cult express mm-hmm. the 3d aspect of santorini is the mechanism mm-hmm. that that's the difference is that you're not building anything the 3d part of it is functionally needed to play cult express but you are actively creating the 3D, the 3D component, function. And technically, you have to win because of the 3D component. Yes. So based on does the game fit the category, that has to go to Santorini, in my opinion. I can't disagree with you on that part. However, player interaction. Cold Express. Cold Express. Easily. <laughs> easily. And all right, I'm going to say it, Colt Express. Colt Express. Yes, I think you and I agree. Which just pushes Colt Express... Honestly, surprising me. Exactly. Because I thought Santorini was going to get it, but and it does hold its own for components and strategy. But Cult Express is so thematic and so immersive. And so immersive. I mean, you feel like you're like you're running around punching people. Shooting now, is it the training. best Western game? No, not by a long shot. I I agree with that. It's not the best Western game, but it's. As far as Very immersive to 3D components. I've never seen anything else that that captures that like reality of like a train heist, like mm. all the chaos unfolding on a moving train. Every movie you see that has a moving train in it, this is this encompasses it really well and easy to play, fun package. 
All right, Colt Express actually wins it. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, congratulations, congratulations to the Spiel winner, Spiel the Jars winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoy- have enjoyed our episode. Uh, we want to thank you, as always. Um, if you ever want to join in on one of our live chats and our live filming, join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. As well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like this video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms podcast platforms under everyday board games podcast this includes spotify google amazon music podbean you can tell it's been a while um also there is in all the descriptions there are links to everything i just described if you want to give us a shout out uh say hi to us directly enter in a future contest or give us an idea for an upcoming episode Feel free to email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as you can get in contact with us on our official Twitter account at EBG Podcast. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.